if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to be reading to you the first four verses, but um, speaking to you on the first three. Why don't we look to the Lord in prayer together. We thank you, Father, that we can be here tonight, and uh, we eagerly anticipate all that you will do in working in our hearts to illuminate our minds, to lead us into the truth of this passage, which is uh, so amazing, so rich, so blessed, as we think about children and their responsibility to obey their parents and parents their responsibility to teach their children. We pray that you will bless us through this study and it would be a means uh, to um, help us to be able to speak to people around us about uh, what it means to raise a godly family. And uh, we pray that uh, more and more people would take an interest in these truths. In the days to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. All right. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Well, having given instructions to husbands and wives concerning their responsibilities to each other, Paul now turns his attention to the children in the family. The Lord has many good things to give to children through their parents, and this is why Paul says that they should obey them. And so at this time, I'd like to explain what kind of obedience this is, this being talked about. And first of all, obedience in the Lord is a right obedience. And second, it's an obedience which honors your father and mother, and third, it's an obedience where you will be rewarded by God Himself according to His promise with long life. First of all, the obedience of children to their parents in the Lord is a right obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So parents, it's always a good thing to carefully instruct your children in what's right. And what is right is defined for us by God Himself, and God Himself is perfectly righteous, and He tells us what is right in His Word, the Bible, and all of His commandments, His statutes, and His precepts are right. John MacArthur says in his commentary, the word right in our text in verse 1 is dikaios in the Greek. It refers to that which is correct just and righteous to that which is exactly as it should be. So for children to obey and honor their parents is dikaios. And you see the truth of God's defining everything that is right. If you'll turn over with me to Nehemiah chapter 9 and verses 13 and 14. Nehemiah 9, 13 and 14. And Monty Lane, when you get over there, if you could read it for me, I'd be grateful. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. 
you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. Okay, thanks for that, Marielena. Now it's good for us as parents to understand what is right was defined for us in the Ten Commandments and the Two Commandments, which sum up the Ten Commandments. You and I always ought to uh, glory in God's holy law and uh, not look askance at it or think badly of it because so many Christians in our day don't seem to recognize it uh, very well or even memorize it which I think we ought to memorize, the Ten Commandments, and the, the first uh, two and greatest commandments, that is loving God preeminently with all the soul, heart, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. But when you teach the commandments of God, you must show to people around you, especially children, that the reason that they should obey you when you're teaching them these all-important commandments of God is because God Himself is righteous in everything that He is in His being. And that is for this reason that they ought to listen to you when you tell them what is right and expect them to do it. So parents must teach their children about the perfectly righteous character of God. It's amazing to me uh, just how often we need to be reminded of this, that God cannot lie, for instance. Uh, it says so in the book of Titus, there in the first chapter, early on. Yet I remember one time a person asking me why to that question. Why can't God lie? And I must admit I was pretty dumbfounded. And uh, I thought to myself, well, it's because He's perfect. And since He's perfect, He cannot lie. But we must, I'm saying, teach our children about the perfectly righteous character of God, that He's the one that's given us all the commandments, the Ten Commandments and the Two Greatest Commandments, that we need to memorize. I want you to look with me at Deuteronomy 32, verses 1 to 4. Deuteronomy 32, 1 to 4. Vicki, you could read that for me. That would be great. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching draw <coughs> as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. All right. Now can you see here in these verses um, why... The um, children that we have need to understand what's being said here. Why your obedience and your children obeying you is based upon this great truth proclaimed by Moses here. Moses was acting as a father to Israel here, teaching his children, the children of Israel, God's children, but he was acting as a father 
to them, and it says he wanted his teaching to drop on their hearts as the rain, and like showers on the grass of more than a million people who left Egypt with him. He gives us a good example as parents. He proclaimed to them the name of the Lord. What does it mean to proclaim the name of the Lord? According to these verses. To relate his attributes. Mm-hmm. Very good. To relate his attributes, that we ascribe greatness to our God, that he's the rock. His work is perfect. All of his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Ah, well, that's good too. Faithfulness to what he has said, which is how I think we could relate those two translations together. Always faithful to his word, faithful to what he said, faithful when uh, he gives it to people, which he does. And uh, he gives us a good example as parents, Moses does here, of what we should teach our children about what God is like, that He's a rock. Now, what you say that that means, that God is a rock? Strength. Very good. Yeah, that's right. Strength. Strength. That um, He has infinite power and strength. And His work is perfect, it says here because all his ways of doing things are just. That is, they're perfectly right. And he's a God of truth. It says here, without any injustice in the way that he thinks, or the way that he does all things, that's what parents must teach their children. For if they are to obey you as parents, you must teach them about God as being perfect. Infinitely wise, and great in his being. And that's why you worship him. And that's what you tell your children. This is why we worship God. Is because he is this way. He's holy and righteous and wise. This is why I, your father, obey him and his word. Because his commandments, God's commandments, are my commandments to you. So you see here that a father, when he gives commandment to his children, he's simply acting as an extension, really, of God and his word to his children. That's what uh, he's doing. He's an extension of God's commandments to his children and actually to all men around him, declaring them, and then living them out in his life, obeying them. And it's for this reason also you tell your children that you love God and obey him. It's because he has taught you this by his giving you grace in Christ. And so you must tell them how your own heart needed to be changed. By the way, I think that sometimes parents forget to do this, and they should never do it. That is, disassociate their conversion with teaching their children. They need to teach their children how they came to know the Lord. 
lest our children not understand that you needed Christ yourself. And that's a very important point. Um, I can remember when I would discipline my children years ago when they were very small. And after I would discipline them, I'd take them up on my knee and tell them that I would love them, that I love them. But I also would say to them, do you know why this has happened? It's because um, you don't know the Lord. And you need the Lord Jesus in your heart if you're going to do what's right. And see, children need to understand that. They need to see the connection. Um, Otherwise, they'll just see you as being the righteous one, or the one that represents righteousness, which is not bad necessarily. That's a good thing, because you're representing God, as I've already said. But they need to see also that you yourself were a sinner who needed to be saved. And so you must tell them about the fact that all children who are born into the world are sinners because of Adam's sin. I do think that it's another thing that Christians don't sometimes think about enough, which is to explain to people around them uh, how sin came into the world and why all men are, all men, women, and children are born into the world uh, as sinners. Uh, it's because of Adam's sin in the beginning, and when we explain that to them, then then they begin to understand that it's not just that some people are good and some people are bad, and that's just the way it is but that all people are sinners. And they might look good in some ways, but they still need to be saved. And that's what we need to be able to tell people around us, especially our children. Tell them about the corruption of human nature that exists in every child who comes into the world. Tell them about Jesus, the man who came into this world without sin. Because that's the other thing that is so important in relating the gospel to people is that, yes, all men are sinners, but one man out of all men was not, and is not, and that's the Lord Jesus. And so it very easily leads to our sharing the truth about Christ and His perfection and His glory, how we always kept God's commandments. And you must tell them then that their hearts need to be changed, and then they will be able to lovingly obey Him. And then also obey you as their parent. And you see this in Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, if you'll turn over there with me. And Brian, you can read that for us. Verses 7 to 11. The law of the Lord is perfect in burning the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb, moreover by them. Your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Okay, thanks for that, Brian. Um, having, I had Brian read that so that you can see that this is what you must teach your children if they are to obey you. 
you teach them how to fear the Lord, how to love the Lord. It comes through conversion to Christ. And that's what it means here when it says uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise simple. And all of these different verses talk to us about different aspects of what the law of the Lord or the scriptures do for us. The statutes of the Lord are right. There it is. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. And etc. So, I think that what we need to teach our children concerning the Word of God is that it's something that is very desirable. Do you see that? It's very uh, desirable. More to be desired are they than gold. Sweeter than honey and honeycomb. Let your children know how much you love the Bible. Uh, let them see you reading and reading the Bible and teaching it to them. And you will find that they will understand something more than legalism. They will understand love and a proper fear of the Lord. I think that sometimes, perhaps, young children are afraid of the Lord. And, well, they might be if they didn't understand how good He is and how merciful He is and how kind He is and how loving He is and how His law is intended to rejoice the heart, like it says in verse 8, make wise the simple, convert the soul, enlighten the eyes. Wow. And be like honey to them. What a, what a tremendous set of verses these are. So, teach them how to fear the Lord and love the Lord. It comes through conversion to Christ. Show them the things that you command of them in terms of their speech and behavior are right. Because you are in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Can you tell me? We have uh, you know, sharing his merits. Amen. And, uh, you know, lot, lots you could say. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Yeah, Hannah. Well, I was just thinking being in the body of Christ. Like, sorry, more like being in the body of the church. Mm-hmm. That's certainly one of the benefits of it, isn't it? That we're in His body, and when we're in His body, we're sharing in His benefits, as Brian was saying. Uh, we are in Christ. We are in His finished work. We are in Him, personally, as Hannah is trying to suggest to us. That's what, that's what it means, that we are actually spiritually married to Him. We're... we're uh, one spirit with the Lord, which is really a great thing. Sense, but Christ in you, the hope of glory, is what I was. Amen. 
That's right. It gives you the hope of glory because He's in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart. What a great thing that is to be in Christ. And that's what you have to teach your children, I'm saying. In terms of your having been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because then they'll begin to understand that you needed Christ. It's not just that they need to be religious. Or even just that they need to read the Bible, which they do. And they do need to be religious in the right way. And learn how to pray and learn how to read the Bible for themselves. But... I want you to think up for a moment about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he obeyed his parents when they told him as a very young man how to speak and act. And you think, well, the Lord Jesus is perfect. He didn't need to learn any of those things. Well, he did. He had to learn obedience because he was a man. As God, he needed to learn nothing. But what an amazing thing it is to think about the fact that Jesus' parents no doubt taught him the scriptures, what they knew of them. And I'm sure that they read to him, his parents instructed him in regard to Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 to 7. And I want you to turn over there with me. And Hannah, you can read that for us if you would. Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 7, and we'll think about the Lord Jesus in relation to this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. Here, O Israel, the Lord is, your, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach, you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. All right, that's great. Thanks for that, Hannah. Now I'm trying to get you to think about this imaginatively in terms of Christ himself as a little lad learning at his mama's and daddy's knee these words. They no doubt read these words to him. And uh, that the, these are the commandments, these are the statutes, these are the judgments. So Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land you're crossing over to possess it, you may fear the Lord your God and keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Now think of all the millions of Israelites that, uh, that heard these words. Um, 
for countless thousands of years. And even these words being read today by Jews around the world, some of the most um, important words in all of the, the Old Testament scriptures and the Pentateuch. What an amazing thing it is here. Therefore, hear, and, O Israel, be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you. Remember that in Ephesians, our text? That it may be well with you? See, that's where the Apostle Paul got that. That it may be well with you. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. A land flowing with milk and honey. What great picture words, huh? Of blessings. Material and spiritual. And then this declaration of God Himself that He is one. And that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. <clears throat> I remember... As a side note, my own dear father doing this with me when I was a child, that um, he would uh, have me kneel next to the bed by him, and he would read that. And he would uh, tell me that that's what we needed to do, uh, he and I, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and with all your strength. It made a great impression on me. I remember it to this day. More, that verse more than any. Those verses more than any. And uh, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And talk of them. When you sit in your house, walk in the way. Walk by the way when you lie down. And when you rise up. So, the, the Lord Jesus, I want you to think about this, is the only man who's ever kept these words perfectly. And you and I should always see it that way in terms of everyone around us, no matter how great anyone is around us in their obedience. We need to see that the Lord Jesus is far and away beyond the greatest man who has ever lived apart from himself. He is beyond them in obedience of his heart, of his mind, with his soul, with his strength, and his neighbor as himself. So if you teach them that, then they will see, by the way, the importance of believing and trusting in the Lord at an early age. And uh, can they do that? Yes, they can. If they can understand the gospel, they can believe in the gospel. And that's why we should be encouraged, actually, to think about and speak about the Lord Jesus with our children and our grandchildren, even. It says here, verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson which I didn't notice until I read it today. But that's good. So when you talk to your children and your grandchildren, you can tell them that it is out of love, your love for Christ, that you keep His commandments. 
And this is the reason that you want them to keep your commandments as well. Your commandments are His commandments. All that the Lord expects of you and all He expects of them is right. That's our first point. Then second, obedience of children to parents is an obedience which honors your father and your mother. Verse 2 says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, or with promise, that it may be well with you and you may, be, you may live long on the earth. And so Paul here quotes the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments in order to show us that this is the proper attitude which children ought to have when they are obeying their parents. This is the proper attitude. It's to honor them. Now, what is the honor which is to be given to parents? What would you say it is? It's a number of things, and you can probably think of either one or two or maybe more. What do you say? What is the honor which is to be given to parents? Well, it's hard to avoid that it's obedience, especially mm. when you're young. Um, but uh, respect, um, mm -hmm. defense of their good name, uh, potentially care in their old age. That's good. That's excellent. Yes, it is. It's all those things. And obedience is being equated to it here. I've written down its respect, a very high regard for your parents as those persons whom God has placed over you to raise you. If they are Christians, now not all children have that privilege, sadly. But um, if uh, you have Christian parents, you definitely need to honor them. You need to respect them. You need to hold them in very high regard. You need to obey them when they give you commands. You, um, If you're the child, you have a willingness at every point to submit to them and obey them where it agrees with the truth of the Bible. John MacArthur says it's only the commandment of uh, the ten that relates to the family. It's the only commandment of the ten that relates to the family. Because that one principle alone, when obeyed, is enough to secure the right relationship of children to their parents. Not only that, he says, but it is the key principle behind all right human relationships in society. Isn't that good? A person who grows up with a sense of respect for and obedience to his parents will have the foundation for respecting the authority of other leaders and the rights of other people in general, he says. John Calvin asks this question in his commentary on Ephesians 6.1. He says, why does the apostle use the word obey instead of honor, which has a greater extent of meaning? It is because obedience is the evidence of that honor which children owe to their parents, and is therefore more earnestly enforced. It is like, likewise more difficult, for the human mind recoils from the idea of subjection, 
and with difficulty allows itself to be placed under the control of another. Experience shows how rare this virtue is. For do we find one among a thousand that is obedient to his parents? By a figure of speech, a part that is put for the whole, but is the most important part, it is necessarily accompanied by all the others. A man named R.W. Dale is quoted in the Biblical Illustrator as saying this, and this is a fairly lengthy quote, but I'm going to read it because I think it's really good. The commandment which Paul quotes requires children to honor their parents. Honor includes obedience and something more. We may obey because we are afraid of the penalties of disobedience. And in that case, the obedience, though exact, will be reluctant, without cheerfulness, and without grace. And we may obey under terror, or we may obey from motives of self-interest. And we may think that the man to whom we are compelled to submit is in no sense our superior, that he is at best our equal, and that it is mere accident that gives him authority over us. But children are required to remember that their parents are their superiors. And when he says that, he means he's talking about their position appointed by God. In that sense, they are their superiors, not their equals, they, that they have to honor parental dignity as well as to obey parental commands. That honor is to blend with obedience and make it free and beautiful, he says. I thought that was really good. He says the child that honors his parents will yield a real deference to their judgment. He'll let them make a judgment and respect it. And wishes when there is no definite and authoritative command, they will respect even their prejudices, will conceal their infirmities and faults, will keenly resent any disparagement of their claims to consideration, will resent even more keenly any assault on their character. In other words, they'll, their, their child will defend them. In a family where this precept is obeyed, parents will be treated with uniform courtesy. There is a tradition, this man says, that whenever Jonathan Edwards came into a room where his children were sitting, they rose as they would have risen at the entrance of a visitor. Forms of respect of this kind are alien, he says, from modern manners. He's writing in the 1800s, I think. But the spirit of which they were, the expression, still survives in well-bred families. I mean in families which inherit and preserve good traditions, whatever social rank they may belong to. Nor is it to parents alone that children should show this spirit of consideration and respect. Brothers and sisters should show it to each other. And both among the rich and poor, it may be taken as a sure sign of vulgarity, he says, inherited or acquired, if courtesy is reserved for strangers and has no place in the life of the family. Children are to honor their parents, and if they honor their parents, they are likely to be courteous to each other, he says. Well, third, 
It's an obedience where you will be rewarded by God Himself, according to His promise, with long life. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Wow, that is just a wonderful promise. In the second table of the Ten Commandments, six commandments are given, which are the responsibility of all men to do and to keep in relation to other people around them. And this is the first, it says here, honor your father and your mother. In other words, it's a very important command for young people to take heed to. It is the first and foremost commandment to them. It's the uppermost of importance, especially if you want to live a long life, it says here. So that's the promise which is attached to this first commandment of the second table of the law. And we need to understand that this promise is not absolute to all godly young people. And the reason I say that is because there have been many godly young people who have honored their parents, and yet they have not lived long upon the earth. But this is rather a promise. It's a promised principle that God will go by in his consideration of how he will reward the life of a godly young person. He will reward them with long life according to how they have honored their parents if it is according to his purpose for their life. So the principle which should be remembered even more than that your days may be long, although that's a nice principle and promise, is the principle that you should honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you, it says here. Now, will it always be well with you and go well with you in God's sight if you obey your parents as a child? That's what the promise is here. Do you see that? It's a tremendous promise. It's even, it's even more tremendous than long life, I think, that it'll go well for you in God's sight if you obey your parents as a child and a young person. If you honor them all the time of your growing up years, indeed all the years that they are alive. Can you honor your father and your mother after you've left the household? You can, can't you? You can remember all the good things that they've taught you. From the Word of God, the commandments of God, the promises of God, the precepts of God, the principles of His Word, and you can live them out in your life. That glorifies God. In other words, to honor your father and your mother is best understood in terms of obeying their instructions. Do you see that? If they're godly people. And the reason that you will obey their instructions is because you love them. Wow. That, sometimes we forget that that's what um, we need to see as parents or as children. Love from our children, love to our children. 
Well, turn over to uh, Proverbs 23, and um, we will read um, verses 22 to 25, and Matt, you can read that for us. These are going to be the last verses that we'll look at here tonight. Proverbs 23, 22 to 25. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth, and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. All right. This is really good stuff, isn't it? It starts out by um, speaking of listening. The importance of listening to your father who begot you and your mother that you wouldn't despise her even when she is old. Which implies, by the way, that even after you've left the house and your mother is old, that you should still think about what she has told you when she was younger. Do you see that? That you don't despise her. Oh, she's old. I don't need to think about that anymore. Instead, Solomon says, buy the truth and do not sell it. What does that mean to buy the truth and not to sell it? It means to accept it and um, believe it and um, take it to yourself and don't let loose of it. That's good. Yeah, I'll see. That's enough. Yeah, go ahead, Marilena. Well, I'm thinking that the, the Bible says that um, come and get without money, without price. Yes. And by the truth, well, Christ is the truth. And uh, so we can, we can have Christ without money, without paying anything. It's free. <laughs> Amen. That's good. That's good. And, and the way that we do it is to buy... The truth is spend your strength, spend your time, uh, spend uh, what resources that you have in terms of yourself and the study of the Word of God and also receiving the instruction then from your parents when you're younger. You don't sell it. You don't get rid of it. You don't jettison it. You don't ignore it. You don't forget it. You don't let it go easily. Uh, say something. I was thinking about a lot of talk about legislature, the Congress, and all that. And uh, that's a place where that can be put into practice. Amen. Because it's a prone, prone of people are prone. Politicians are prone to just do that. They are to sell the truth, and they know what it is. Yep. You're absolutely right. We as Christians be involved in politics, at least at some level. We're looking at here to end this study. I want to just say that all children and young people who will honor their godly parents, listen to their instructions and obey them, will find that their parents will greatly rejoice over them and delight in them. And God will reward you with a long life, unless 
he can see that it will glorify him more as a result of your godliness and your labors for Christ to take you to himself when you are younger. Do you see that? Because not all godly young people live to an old age, even though they've, they've obeyed their parents. So we have to try to understand that. That God will reward that person with uh, taking him to himself or her to himself when they're younger or even middle-aged. And so the conclusion is we should not be afraid. Again, sometimes we might be afraid at that of being taken home in midlife or even if we're a younger person. You should not be afraid if you know the Lord and your trust is in the Lord. Um, your labors for Christ, your faith in Him. When you're younger and middle-aged and facing death, don't be afraid because God knows how to best number your days and give you what is best in accordance with His good purpose for your life. And He will reward you according to your works and you will be satisfied with that. 